Welcome to The Voice of Seven Thunders, a production of the Gospel Trumpet Publishing Company. We are your host. I'm Brother Ernest Binion Jr. here with Brother Stephen Hargrave, and we are apostles of the Church of God. And on today's episode, we're going to continue where we left off with the overview of Revelation chapter number four. We were just discussing, Brother Steph, the throne of God. We were talking about God being on his throne. Yes, sir. We were talking about his throne and the things that are contained therein being inseparable. It's one picture, one one image. Yes, sir. And we had just finished dealing with the thought of in the regeneration, in the time, in the last days yes. of the new birth uh, experience, of the possibility of the new birth experience, yes. Jesus promised that there would be somebody sitting on the throne. And these are proof texts this to John chapter, uh, Re- John, Revelation written by John chapter sure. four in dealing with this image as we continue to labor together with you to help bring you along in the understanding as we lay this foundation. Yes, sir. Now, I'll say this. If you have questions, we want to hear them. If you have comments, send them to us at editor at thegospeltrumpet.com. Again, send it to editor at thegospeltrumpet.com. Brother Steve, let's pick right back up, jump right back in. Yes, sir. And let's continue to deal with, we were trying to get through verse 6. Absolutely. So 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 briefly, again, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the Lamb speaks to his apostles who are also elders. When I sit, you'll sit. He, he does his work on, our, on earth at the brightness of the glory uh, and the express image of the person of God, upholding all things by the word of his power. He sits down on the right hand of the majesty on high, of course, in the new birth experience. And when he sits, he says there will be others that sit. And he's speaking, back to Matthew 19, mm-hmm. he is speaking specifically to the apostles, Matthew 19. Peter is the one. I like Peter. Peter said, well, we have, I, I, we have I forsaken. Bless the Lord for Peter. Brother, we have forsaken. Lord, then Peter answered, verse 27, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have? Therefore? <laughs> <laughs> I like the brother. I like Peter. Yeah, brother, I like the brother. He said, look, we, we done all, we done this, Peter's Lord. Real. We forsook everything. We love you. Now what are we, we going to get? <laughs> and, and brother, I want to tell you something. Peter's you, real. Brother, that is real. Peter's and, real. And the Lord's just as real. Oh, don't worry about it. When I sit out, you go, brother, you imagine what that do to you? Brother, you stick like, up. You hold your head up. Oh, hold your head up. and, then, your and then out. Push your chest out. And then at the same time, say, God, help me. <laughs> I'm going to sit on thrones. Okay, so they're going to sit on thrones. So our, our contention is this, that the Bible is teaching in Revelation chapter 4 that there are four and 20 seats or thrones. That's right that are connected, inseparable from the throne of God, and that there are four and twenty elders sitting, so that's twenty-four, and we got twelve of them. I got half of them right here, Brother Binion. Yes, sir. There are twelve apostles. He's saying, you're going to sit. So we have twelve of them right there. We filled up half the seats, and our contention is that the original twelve apostles, which is re- which are representative of, the, uh, of all apostles, really. Right. Because okay. there's really more than 12. There, there there's are, more than 13. There, there are more than I've 12. said this several times. Absolutely. I'm going to keep saying it. Absolutely. Because the Protestant Reformation destroyed the even idea. They We talked about opening their minds. Brother, I'm glad you said that because we got to The Protestant Reformation actually closed people's minds to the possibility yes. of an apostle being more than the 12. And, of course, everybody includes Paul because... Not because he was chosen by Christ, but because his work is undeniable. Right. right. His and work some, is undeniable. Some people don't even like him. So this is important that you mention that. So historically, 
even the fact that when you introduce us, we're apostles of, and and somebody on the radio land was like, what? What did they say? Like, I can't, I can't believe that you're claiming this. Okay. And so this is important to know that part of the throne of God certainly ministers, but it needs to, we need to understand that apostles come from God are part of him. They're an outpouring of his heart and part of his throne. It's inseparable from him. They were inside of him. And from that, apostles are present, sitting, judging. And from that, the other gifts come because the scripture says first apostles. Secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. And we won't get into all of that except to say that it's very obvious that the 12 apostles, according to the word of the lamb who is at the throne, in the midst of the elders, are sitting. And so we have 12 seats full. And it says when they sat, brother, that they would judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, I'm not going to go, this is an overview, so I'm not going to go through every aspect proving that they were judging. I am going to make some references. There There are people that believe that the church is Israel, uh, or the fulfillment of Israel. There are people that don't believe that. I'm going to introduce this thought to you in this way. That the Apostle Paul calls the church of God the Israel of God. I'm not going to give you the reference. Everybody, we live in an age of technology, and I'm not trying to hide it from you. We live in an age of technology. You can look that up. He calls it the Israel of God. Okay? It's very important. So, did the apostles judge? That's the question. Mm -hmm. Jesus sat down according to what we've read. Did the apostles sit down and judge? If we go through the Acts of the Apostles, and we're not going to turn to every scripture, but if we go to the Acts of the Apostles, we find that the apostles turned the world upside down, Brother Ernest. Yes, sir. Okay. We also find that they were judging in, for example, the Acts of the Apostles 15, and I'm just going through this. This is a brief overview. In the Acts of the Apostles 15, they judged whether the believers had to uh, uh, had to adhere to the, the Jewish rite of circumcision. Of circumcision right. Okay, and so they judged that. James stood up and he right in the ministers' meeting and he says, "Look, my sentence is this, brother. He was a judge. You don't stand up in the middle of those brothers unless you are a chief apostle saying in the middle of those brothers, look, my judgment is this. Let's don't trouble them." They wrote letters to the to the Gentile believers. They sent a company to them and they established the law. They judged what was happening. They judged the people, the church of God, the Gentiles, as well as the Jews that were converted. The Bible itself is proof that they were on thrones. I'm talking about the document, the book, the Bible itself. That's right. It's proof that they were on thrones. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Apostle Paul, if I'm not mistaken, now this is off the top of my head, someone can do a fact check, but the Apostle Paul has written 14 epistles of the New Testament, the best I can recall at this point. Okay, so 14 epistles, and in the epistles, he's giving specific instruction, direction about money, about singing, about order of service, about when women should talk, about what a woman is, about what a husband is, how you should live with your children, how you should discipline them. So the Bible is packed full of the essence of these apostles, because that's what we have. All, that's, everybody that's wrote this. We might okay. say it this everybody, way. As I, read, this. I think it was Edersheim, um, yes. Alfred Edersheim, one of my favorite writers. He talked about the um, incident where the woman was caught in adultery, and Jesus bends down mm-hmm. and he writes in the, in the, in the dirt. Yes, brother. Okay? And, of course, every, every theologian has wondered and searched, and, and I'm putting myself in there, too. Mm-hmm. What did he write? Like, it would be so interesting to note 
and he makes this casual little statement that's so beautiful. He says, the only thing Jesus Christ ever wrote was swept away by the casual wind and footsteps of men, and Jesus never wrote anything. Yes, brother. And yet, the entirety of what we understand about his gospel Mm -hmm. is built... I should say entirety. The majority of what we understand about being Christians mm-hmm. doesn't come from his own, if you, if I could say that, writings. Mm-hmm. It comes from the writings of, of actually one man, but of other men yes. who expound on what we read in the Synoptic Gospels and from John's mm-hmm. writings. Jesus didn't say anywhere, thou shalt not shoot cocaine or snort cocaine oh, and shoot heroin in your arms. Yeah, thou shalt not smoke a cigarette. Thou shalt not Come watch on. TV. He no. didn't say those things. No. Uh, thou, thou shalt wear a dress below your knees. He didn't say anything like that. No, brother. brother, there's nothing like that. So how do we know? Come on. How do we know? And brother, on issues of conscience, mm-hmm. everybody agrees on the on the profane and and right. the and the ridiculous, right? right? Like you know, even even in prisons where we're guilty, and I, I'm not, I know. I know wrong people go to prisons, mm-hmm. but some people are belong in prison because sure. of what they do. Sure. Even they have a code of honor of about the different kind of crime. If you do certain things, yes. even among the criminals, they would say, okay, there's a problem. you bad. Yeah, there's a problem. You real bad. Right, right, right. And right. and how do we know that? Okay, that's not the, it's not the issue. It's, we're okay on the areas of, of the extreme. Mm-hmm. It's when you start getting to the fringe that's right. that people start jumping off the ship, and that's the power that was committed to these thrones. That's correct. Which are not separate from God on the throne. That's correct. And we should receive them, in the words of Paul, yes. as angels. Yes, receive them as angels of God or messengers of God. Messengers we already of God. dealt with the with the angelic study. So messengers of God, very important. So they were sitting judging. They certainly judged the church. But in what way did they judge? The 12 tribes of Israel. Okay. Somebody says, well, the 12 tribes of Israel is the church. I don't have one bit, I don't have one bit of a problem with that, the fulfillment of that being the church. There are others in Christendom, and so you need to stay tuned. Right now, I just lost somebody. There are others in Christendom that would say, no, 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 no. The Jews are the Jews are the Jews. No problem. No problem. No problem. Stay with us. I would still submit to you that my contention is they still judged the actual 12 tribes of Israel by sitting down. Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2. And I want you to I want you to stay with us. Open your heart to what we mean. Psalm chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. I like to read this particular text. You do? Why do the <laughs> okay. heathen rage? All right. Why why do I brother, you read I, that I, casually, I, brother? I like the brother said, "Why?" Why? In other words, but there was angst in his voice, brother. Yeah, as brother, he's writing it. Yeah. Now this is a song, right? Yeah, it, this is a this song. This is a song, and it's intended to be something you would remember. And this wasn't written smoothly. I'm this t- was. It was. This is heavy. This is and, Beethoven. And it wasn't. This a, is Bach. Yeah, it wasn't is, an old shallow praise chorus. No, either. sir. The, no, the song sir. is "Why Do the Heathen Rage?" Why? <laughs> All right. Do the heathen rage, and the people imagine a vain thing. Mm-hmm. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord yes. and against his anointed. Against the Lord and against his anointed. Saying? Yes. 
Let us break their bands asunder. Yes. And cast away their cords from us. Let's break their bands asunder, that which binds them, that which binds them one to another. Let's break Talking them. about judgment. All right, go ahead. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. Let's break their judgment. Let's stop their judgment. Let's stop what connects them. And then there's one sitting in heavens, in the heavens. And that's good. It said he's sitting. So it's, he's, he's it's sitting. actually referencing us right, right back, back to, to the same picture that we're talking about in Revelation All right. 4. Now watch what Acts 4 says. Let's turn to the Acts of the Apostles chapter 4. Because it said when they sit, they're going to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Some people don't believe that the church is the 12 tribes. We can get into that uh, at a later time. But even if it is simply the actual, physical, literal Jewish nation, my contention is that they still judge them by the sitting down. The Acts of the Apostles 4, verse, oh, brother, 24. And when they had heard that, they lifted up their voice, this is their company of apostles and disciples, to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. This is, this is good. Who by the mouth of thy servant David said, we, were just, we just quoted it, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against, his, and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed. Listen, both Herod and Pontius Pilate. This sounds like some judgment. And, uh, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy counsel determined before to be done. So what we're saying is this, that in their sitting down and judging, in their sitting down to judgment after the Lamb, Jesus Christ has sat down, they judged the church of God as well as the physical, literal tribe, 12 tribes of Israel. They themselves were Jews. They themselves being Jews believed in that they, they didn't make up their own scriptures. They took the very scriptures of the Hebrews, of the Jewish people, expounded on them, understood what those scriptures were talking about, understood that the spirit of the anointed one was working in the men that gave those scriptures and spoke the fulfillment that was present in the gospel day. And by that, they judged the very people of Israel that had not yet believed in the Messiah. They sat on 12 thrones. It's very good, brother. And but there are twenty-four of them, Seats. so so we only we have half of them. We got full. half of them already filled, and and, I, and we're not going to fill up the half, the other half. But we got we got half of them full right now. So the apostles, um, the apostles <laughs> of the, uh, yeah, brother, it's good. It's an overview. Yeah. But if you have that, if you have that down, I, I do. Well, you you done pulled this out of me, brother. <laughs> brother Ben is looking at me like, yeah, say something else. <laughs> okay. So, but if you have that down, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I think we're gonna get into it. No, no question. But you have what you need to understand it. So John saw that there are these seats. There are elders in the seats. It's very important. They're connected to God, inseparable from God, a part of the ministry of the Majesty of the Most High. Okay. So they're inseparable, and in doing that, John sees twenty-four. I'm going to present to you and suggest to you that John understands that he is occupying his, his, his person, his gifting is occupying sure one of those seats. Sure of does. course he does. How can you say that? Because he was there when Peter asked the question and Jesus said, and when I sit, you're going to sit. So John had an awareness that he was a king. He had a, how do you know he had an awareness? Yes, he, just he wrote, did. Because he wrote chapters two and three. He wrote chapters two and three. He's <laughs> judging them. He's getting it all together. Don't do this. Thus saith 
saith the Lord, this is what's happening. Move over here. Move back here. Don't do that. <laughs> Occupy. He's, he's judging them. Absolutely. So he has an awareness that I am. Now, this is important, brother. Stay with me. He has an awareness. I know you know this. He has an awareness that I am occupying one of those seats. I am one of the original 12. There are more than 12 apostles, 12 being the number of completeness, the number that Jesus Christ chose originally. I'm one of the 12. I'm in the seat. And by there being 12 additional seats, we're made to understand. I want you to follow me. This is in maybe a little deeper waters. We're made to understand that John understands that after him, there'll be an occupation That's right. of people like him in the 12 other seats that we have not said anyone is sitting in as of yet. Did that make sense? Can I say that in a better way, brother, for our listeners? Brother, I think you said it very well. I thought I'd read the scripture in 1 Peter mm-hmm. 1, verse 11, which is one we keep repeating. Yes. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, mm-hmm. when it testified beforehand two things, mm-hmm. the suffering of Christ mm-hmm. and the glory that should follow. The glory that should follow. So John, who later on we read wept much, mm-hmm. wept because he wanted to know, is there a following glory? Yes. What's going to happen? Yes. So John... You know, John was very tender towards his children. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems in his mind is he knows Paul's prophecy of the falling away. Mm-hmm. He knows about Antichrist. He knows about all of the opposition and the grievous wolves. And he knows about all of those things. And he wonders, where's the glory that shall fall? And when he gets mm-hmm. this revelation, what you just said is he sees after the 12 physically have gone. Yes. God's divine, complete, we might even add, government. Yes. Right? Twelve tribes, twelve fathers. Yes. It's a picture of divine government in the earth, ecclesiastical authorities. Remember our definition of theocracy that John saw that after the original twelve were gone, spiritually or symbolically spoken, there's a glory that shall follow. There's There's a completion of those twelve apostles yet to come as John saw the this in the remember this is in the last days according mm-hmm. to Hebrews or the gospel day. Mm-hmm. Now listen to this. I, I have I have something to say here. I, I'm going to audience you follow us. Follow us into these waters if you would. Open your heart to what we mean. Okay. So there's 24 seats we have placed biblically. Placed the first the first 12 seats are full. They're full of the original apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. The 12 original apostles. Amen. You understand that. Then there are 12 more seats for a total of 24 that are to be occupied. This is showing that down through the entire gospel day, Brother Binion, it's showing that down through the entire gospel day, there is a present, current apostolic ministry that will also sit down through the gospel day. That's right. Okay. So we're taught, we're taught very clearly by the Protestant uh, system that there are no more apostles. But if we have a revelation of the throne of God, we'll understand, well, there have to be apostles in this time. There are 24 more seats. You say, well, you left them empty. No, I just didn't tell you who was there. But when we read it, they weren't empty. There were 420 elders and they were sitting down. We just didn't didn't elaborate, because I want your interest. We just didn't elaborate on the the final 12. But it makes it very clear that the apostolic seat is present throughout the gospel day and it is actually wickedness 
It's the height of wickedness to say that that seat doesn't exist because you're removing the you're removing something that comes from God. Someone says, no, to be an apostle, you have to have seen Jesus. That is incorrect. That is incorrect. To be an apostle, God has had to see you. <laughs> I like that. Brother, no, that's I what it heard is. you say that. No, brother, and I like that. No, that's what it is. I like that. That stuff comes from the heart of God. It's not some that's magic right. trick where I'm looking at I got <laughs> I got to see some abracadabra. I no, saw no, him. No. I saw him. No, 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 no. It's not what you There's a lot of people that saw Jesus and they're not apostles. That's right. These apostles came, they sprang from the heart of God. That's right. And God saw them. It's not say, did you see God? God saw me. That's right. That's right. And God saw these thrones. So, what's happening is God sees and out of God's heart are four and twenty elders. We've named the twelve, the first twelve, and the other twelve are sitting. And as we continue in our study, we'll just name those. All right. Here All we right. go. Do we have more to go? Brother, we probably should get to Where five and six. Oh, we're doing good. We're doing good. We're doing, doing better than I thought. Okay. All right. So. Five, six. Read that. What's, what's five? Verse six? five. And we're back to Revelation four, verse five. We're still dealing with the throne. Yes. And we're still dealing with really an overview. You may think that we're getting it, it deep. Really we're is, not getting deep, it really. It really is an overview. But we are, it's, it's, again, we keep saying this. We want to keep saying this. It's necessary to give you proper context because in doing so, we undo any false doctrine that might arise from misunderstanding. It's like shooting a gun a long way off. You move your target a half inch off from where you're looking and it can be hundreds of yards off mm-hmm. at the point of your target. The same is true with Bible uh, prophecy. That's correct. If you don't get it contextually right, mm-hmm. when you get down the line, remember Pilgrim's Progress? They got off that off that road because yeah, it was it rough. Was just a little, it was right it was beside a little it. off. And brother, they ended up in Doubting Castle mm-hmm. because they couldn't see that by degrees they were getting off. Mm-hmm. And so many people are off in the book of Revelation unnecessarily because they don't have context. Yes, they don't have context. And I'm going to tell you something else. They, generally speaking, know that they're off. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They've just been taught something. They're trying, they're trying to figure it out themselves. And in honesty, very, you know, very often. But amen. All right. Let's, so let's move on. we're back to chapter 4, verse number 5. Yes. Remember, you can pause, <laughs> rewind, and re-listen if it's been a lot. All right. Here we go. Chapter 4, verse 5. And out of the throne proceeded lightning. That's beautiful. And thundering. Yes. And voices. Yes. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, mm-hmm. which are, I like that's clear. Yes. And that, that works for us. Yeah, brother. The lights, the lamps are yes. the seven spirits of God. Amen. Does that mean God has seven spirits, brother Hargrave? Brother, it does mean God has seven spirits in symbolic language. Seven is the number of completeness and Very perfection. Good. Very good. It's talking about the one spirit of God and the completeness, the, fu- the full fruition of the operation of the spirit of God. That's, that's right. That's what it's talking about. Very good. So now the symbology deepens by showing us what proceeds out of the throne. And we have lightnings. Lightnings. So can we take a little time to walk through some scriptures? We're I think just we doing, should. We're just doing an overview, but this is important for, well, we have a school. It's important for our school students. It's important for outreach. It's important for those that really want to understand. So let's get Psalm 77. That's right. Psalm 77. And brother, we're going to read a little bit. Oh, we're doing well. Psalm 77. We have time. But this is important. We have to go through this because I think... Brother, I feel like that once you have this basis and foundation, that somebody can get up and teach you the revelation, and you have, you have a foundation from which to think. But without this, brother, you're just, you're subject to every whim and every fancy and every wind of doctrine. So, Psalm 77, read 14 through 18. There are right. four verses, but read it. 
Thou art the God that dis, that doest wonders. Yes, sir. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Yes. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people. Yes, sir. The sons of Jacob and Joseph. All right. Selah. Yes. The waters saw thee. The waters saw thee, yes. The waters saw thee. Yes. They were afraid. Mm -hmm. The depths also were troubled. Yes. The clouds poured out water. The clouds poured out water. The skies sent out a sound. The skies sent out a sound. So we got water. We know what this is. Water came from clouds. The skies sent out a sound. Is that what it says? That's what it says. All right. Thine arrows... Also went abroad. The arrows went abroad. This beautiful is poetic language, brother. This is beautiful. It's talking about lightning. It's talking about a deep, <laughs> a deep thunderstorm. Yes, sir. All right. So go ahead. The voice of thy thunder. Now, so we got we got the thunder has a voice. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. Was in the heaven. The lightnings. Yes. Lightened the world. The lightnings lightened the world. The earth trembled. The earth trembled and shook and shook. Now, this is talking, say, what happened? This is talking about what happened when God spake. And it's using the description. Remember what we talked about in an earlier podcast in Romans 1, 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly, clearly seen, seen, being, being understood, understood by the, the things, things that are made, made, even his eternal power and, and Godhead, Godhead, so that they're without excuse. If you've ever heard of a thunderstorm, then you could possibly and more fully understand these lightnings and thunders that were proceeding from the throne of God. Luke 19 and 16. Luke 19 and 16. While you're turning there, yes, Psalm 97, for his lightnings enlightened the world. I like you because you just beat me. Luke <laughs> okay. 19, 16. I got out of order. No, no, you didn't. That's excellent. Luke so, 19. Yes, Luke 19, 16. 16. We're just giving you some context. We're moving quickly, but we're giving you some scriptures so that we can, so that we can properly 16. interpret this. Yes. Then came the first, yes. saying... Lord, is my in the right place? I don't know. Let, let me see. Luke I might have given nineteen. I might have given you the wrong sixteen. The wrong. I don't think that's what you want. That is not what I want. I want the one. I want. I'm looking for the one that. Um, and it thundered. That said, it thundered. Hmm. Let's find that. I thought that was in John. Let's find that. I give. I just gave you the wrong reference. So that's no problem. So let's find the. Let's find the correct reference. John twelve. John twelve. Yeah. John twelve. 29. Mm-hmm. All right, John. I don't know where I'm getting Luke from, but... All right. Let's start in verse 28. Mm-hmm. The people, therefore... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, 28. Father, glorify thy name. Mm-hmm. That's the words of Christ. Yes. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it mm-hmm. and will glorify it again. Mm-hmm. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. So the voice coming from heaven, that it thundered. So the thunder is related to the voice of God. The lightnings are lightning. Others said, the world. an angel spake to him. Others said, an angel spake to him. <laughs> Brother, that's beautiful. And and what I, I need your reading glasses. The, the audience doesn't see that you have a reading glass. I need your reading glasses because I, I misread my reference. It was Exodus 19 and 16. We don't need to turn there. But in Exodus 19 and 16, it talks about the thunderings and the lightnings that were at the Mount Sinai where Moses brought the people to uh, speak with God. So that explains that. So very good. So the lightnings and the thunderings, basically, brother, we can explain it this way. We're not meteorologists, okay? But, but, when, <laughs> but rain comes from clouds. That's right. All right. 
And then when lightning comes, there's so much electricity, there's so much light and heat that it splits the air and the air expands like the hot air expands. And the expansion of that air when it hits the cold air, that's the clap of thunder that we hear. Now, I know that much. The meteorologists that are listening will be able to explain it much more deeply. <laughs> but when the air expands, we hear the noise. So thunder is the noise of the lightning. Right. So lightning comes, it comes charges fast, the air. it charges the air, the heat expands, and then we hear, boom, boom, we hear the noise. But that's just the noise of the of the lightning. And so lightning and thunder go together, and the scripture makes it very clear that lightning and thunder are dealing with God's spiritual light, his enlightenment, his word, and also his voice is compared with thunder. We need to linger on this a little bit more to establish it, because some people wouldn't even wouldn't even understand what to do with these symbols. So let's, let's linger a little bit longer. Job 37. Two to five. Yes, sir. Job 37. Um, and I think this is the last proof text we'll get, but we wanted to make it clear. We want to give you some foundational reference in the overview so you understand, look, this is where we're getting the symbol from. This is what, the, uh, what God is intending to convey through these symbols. Side note, we're also teaching how to study your Bible. Yes, sir. All right. John, Job chapter 37, verse 2. Yes. Hear attentively the noise of his voice. The noise of his voice. And the sound that goeth out of his mouth. The sound that goeth out of his mouth. He directed it under the whole heaven. Yes. And his lightning unto the ends of the earth. Yes, brother. After it, a voice roareth. After it, a voice roareth. He thundereth with the voice of his excellency. Okay, after the lightning, a voice does what? Roareth. Now you have, you have a voice coming after. It's calling thunder a voice. That's right. And it is a voice, and it roars. Read. Roaring like what? Like a lion. Thank you. All right. He thundereth with the voice of his excellency. He thundereth with the voice of his excellency. And he will not stay them He'll not when stay his voice them. is heard. When his voice is heard. All right. <laughs> God thundereth. Marvelously with I, his voice. I love that Job said it. He does it marvelously with his voice. Great things doeth he. Great things doeth which he. Which cannot be comprehended. Which cannot be comprehended. It's a beautiful thing. And so when we see the lightnings and the thunderings, that's, those are the symbols that we're on that proceed out of the throne of God. It's giving us a picture that all spiritual light or the culmination of spiritual light that happens quickly, the heat that's in it, and the voice of God sounding, thundering from that uh, throne of his majesty, that one and only most high majestic throne, the voice of God, the light springing from there, the heat springing from there, and the thunders that shake the earth. Very important. Now we want to get some for voices. Now, brother, I'm just going to give a few references uh, for voices that give, that talks about testimonies. And I won't, we won't turn to these, but I'll give it to you. Isaiah 28 and 23. Mm -hmm. Psalm 78 and 5. Make them to know. My job is to make them to know or to testify. In, in 2 Thessalonians 1 and 10, it talks about our testimony among you was believed. A testimony is a voice. It's a voice of a witness, all right? And voices, these voices are conveying the testimony uh, about the mighty works of God. So I just gave you those references. And then I'm going to give you Psalm 145 through 150. That's, that's a lot, brother. Psalm 145 through 150. <laughs> that, that's, that's chapters brother, 145 yes, yes. to 150. Chapters 145 <laughs> to 150. But we got to turn to 145 because it blessed my soul. Brother, I was walking around home. So 145. So there are voices. So we have spiritual light. We have the voice of God, just symbolic of the voice of God. His thunderings, his word, his light, his heat. All right. His majesty. 
And that's what a thunderstorm is intended to remind us of. Okay, Psalm 145, brother, just start reading. We won't, we won't read through the whole thing, but I just gave you some references. And we're dealing here with voices, voices of testimony, voices of praise. Psalm 145. I will extol thee, my God. Voice of praise. I will King. Extol. Read, brother. And I will bless thy name forever and ever. Yes, sir. Every day will I bless thee. <laughs> yes, sir. This was blessing me, brother. And I, I will praise around. thy name forever and ever. Now, now watch what's going to happen. Great is the Lord. Yes. And greatly to be praised. Yes. And his greatness is unsearchable. I like number four. Read number four. We're not going to read all night. One generation shall praise thy works to another. Listen, we're talking about the voices. There were lightnings and thunderings coming out of the throne. That's very And there good. are also That's voices. One good. generation is going to praise thy works to another generation. So part of the voice, remember, it's inseparable. Part of the voice and the thundering of God is the thundering and the voice that's coming through the voice of his people and through the praises of his people. I can't separate it. So this is giving us a picture of God and his people are one. When his voice thunders, it has already thundered in them and they're uttering praise back to God. It's a complete circle. It's like that rainbow. It's a complete circle. And you can't separate any of these aspects from the throne of God. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. What else? Verse five. I will speak I'll of speak. thy glorious honor. Voices. I'll speak of thy glorious honor. Of thy majesty. Majesty. And of thy wondrous works. Go ahead. And men shall speak. Now we got the voices of men. They're going to speak to. Of voices. the mighty of the terrible acts, yes. and I will declare thy greatness. Now, let's read one more. They shall, they shall, <laughs> they shall abundantly <laughs> utter. Abundantly utter. The memory of thy great the goodness. The memory of thy great goodness. And shall goodness, sing. And shall sing. Of thy righteousness. So here, this is very obvious. Before the throne of God, there's lightning, there's his voice, spiritual light. There are thunderings, his voice. And then also, there are the praises of his people. Of course there are praises. He's the king. And of course there's light. Of course there's majesty. And of course there are people proclaiming how great he is. I got to read Hebrews 2 verse oh, I wish you would. number 12. Brother, saying, we was only supposed to do two. We're going to run out of time, Brother Ben. <laughs> saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. I'll declare thy name unto... In the midst of the church. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. I got to walk. <laughs> okay. I'm going to stop you for those that think deeper. It doesn't say in the midst of the throne. No, it does not. It says in the midst of the church. Okay, what does that mean? But I would like to find someone of anyone out there that can find a great difference between the church church of God and his his throne. throne. I'd like to find someone. And this is part of the Revelation chapter 4. This is the intention of God. He's trying to convey to you a picture. Go ahead. Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. Yes, sir. In the midst of the church. Yes, sir. Will I sing praise unto thee? <laughs> Brother, it's voices. This is God praising himself through his of, people. Of course. Of course he and, praises and it, himself. And it's got to be him that praises himself because we don't know how to do it until we get redeemed by the Redeemer. With the groanings that cannot be uttered. Well, Brother, amen. Amen. So, brother, this look, is precept upon precept, so line upon this line. This is tremendous. We were only supposed to do two on this, but we still got four beasts to go through. Brother, we can do it. We can do it. We got time. Let's do it then. All, all right, right. Verse I, six. I, I we're just... back to Revelation four. All right. We're back to Revelation four. Well, we got four. to see a glass in the beast. Verse beach. six. What, if we go over 40 minutes, stay with us. Stay go with us. This one might be a little long. We'll take it. We're committed to keeping this 
in chunks that you can consume. <laughs> right. But this one might be a little you say, big. You say, we're going too fast, but just just stop it and slow stop it down. Stop it and slow it down. And, and yes. All right. Ahead. And before the throne, there yes. was a sea of glass, like unto crystal. Yes. And in the midst of the throne, there's that language again. Yes, brother. And round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before mm -hmm. and behind. Yes, brother. We so, got to get that done. We got a few minutes. We can do it. Okay. okay. So let, let's be brief, but let's let's give the people what they need. A picture of the throne. A sea of glass. Not a sea of water, per se, right. but a sea of glass. This is an old English way, for the sake of our audience and for, and for the sake of brevity, this is an old English way of conveying the word mirror. mirror. Right. Okay. So... A mirror is made up of glass. They used to call them looking glasses. You'll remember, just very briefly, you'll remember back in the Old Testament, Moses actually made the laver or the laver. Some people call it laver. Some people pronounce it laver. Made the laver when he was making furniture for the tabernacle of God. He took the, the mirrors or the polished brazen articles, reflectors, from the women. I paused hey, man. I paused their attention. <laughs> he took he, he took the mirrors, he took the polished brass, the highly polished brass from the women because that's what they did in the old days. They took some highly burnished or highly polished brass and they were able to see their reflection, make sure they get themselves all together. But he took that, they got it from Egypt. He took that and used yes, those. Yes, sir, you slid and that used in those, too. Uh, yeah. And used those. <laughs> we got they gotta stop and rewind. And use those mirrors, okay? And he made what was called a bath. Solomon even called it a sea. And it was for the priest to wash. And what they did, brother, they, as you know, they washed their hands and they washed their feet as well to prepare themselves for the service in the temple of the Lord. That's right. And they used, uh, they used that. So that was called a sea. And while you washed, while the priest looked over, he could see the reflection of himself in the water, wash his hands, wash his feet, prepare for the service of the Lord. And here we see a sea of glass mingled Pardon me, this is just a sea of glass, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so it doesn't say that this is mingled in chapter 4, right? No. Okay, so a sea of glass, thank you, a sea of glass before the throne. All right, they would wash and prepare. So the highly polished brass, now what we need to do is, uh, at the throne, there's, there's a word used. Uh, or do you have James? No, I can okay. get there. Yes, get James chapter 1. Let's get that real quickly. We, we'll get two scriptures of this. Uh, two scriptures of this. James chapter 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. So James 1, 22 and 23, and then we'll get 1 Corinthians 13 and 12. James 1. But be ye doers of the word. Doers of the word. And not hearers only. Yes. Deceiving your own selves. Yes. For if any be a hearer of the word and not mm -hmm. a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his face yes. in a glass in a glass okay so the word of god is like beholding your face in a glass in first corinthians 13 12 we won't need to turn there first corinthians 13 to 12 the apostle paul simply says now we see through a glass or through a mirror darkly so we see as much as hum as is humanly possible in this world seeing through a glass darkly or we look through the word of god we understand as much as possible with the limitation of humanity so the maximum possible with the limitation of humanity. Now the word sea of, of glass at the throne is a different word than the glass that we use that we see in James and 1 Corinthians. It's, it means the same thing, but it's a different word. The connotation or the difference is that at, this, at the throne, there is no sense of not being able to clearly see through. 
at the throne, it's, it's a perfect visibility, a consummate visibility in looking to the Word of God. So it's the same thing, except the implication or the understanding is to be that at the throne, it's heightened to its consummate degree. That's right. But it's, the, it's still the Sea of Glass. Which again, is a, which is a, which is a uh, important theme. In the, and this is why we said in the very first podcast, that's a part of the audacity of the revelation. Yes. Is that it's not just saying truth, it's saying consummate truth, mm-hmm. which is kind of a... Uh, I don't know if you can say that it's unnecessary. It's repetitive to say consummate truth in in, in a sense. Yes, there there's a, there's there's a sense, sense in which that's the case. Yes. But, but there is a sense in which this is filling up the truth mm-hmm. in its highest degree. Yes. And so the glass that we read, I, I thought about the scripture that's in uh, Ephesians five twenty six. Yes. And I sanctify and wash it by the yes, washing uh, the water by the word. Water by the mm-hmm. word. That's right. That in Revelation at the throne we see it as a sea that's of the word, or we that's have this right. entire body. It's all together, and it's enough for the for the entire world. It's it's, it's enough for for everybody in the gospel day. It's a picture of the word of God in symbolic language, and it's called a sea. Of and mirror. It's, again, you can't take it away from the yes, throne. That's that's exactly correct. Then also there are beasts. Did we read about that? We've read it only in the sense that we read the verse. We have a lot of work to do here. Okay. We're, 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 we got it. We got we're, it. We're going to do it. It's all right. So we read... Four beasts. We read that there are four beasts. Now the word beast is derived from a word that simply means... Brother, this is important. Yes, it's sir. It's derived from a word that simply means living. Something living. So in that sense, a beast... A raccoon, a dog, a wolf, a bear. A beast is alive. But this doesn't this this word beast doesn't just mean something that is actually physically alive. It means it has uh, the connotation not just physical, but it has something the meaning spiritually alive. Okay. Right. So something living in God, and obviously so, because it's connected to God. We also understand that this beast, it can't be that something wicked now is attached to all these testimonies, this beautiful God, these beautiful promises, these holy apostles and elders, the judgment of God, the thunderings, the sea of the word of God. There's no way right, now right. that something snuck in there and a nasty uh, so evil beast If is we there. were to go back to Peter's vision of the sheet and yes. he saw all manner of yes, beasts yes, yes. in there, that would not be a proper use proof text of the scripture. No. Say, so he saw unclean beasts, so are these unclean beasts here right. in Revelation? No, 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 that that would that would defile literally the the image because mm-hmm. an unclean thing can never be joined to a clean thing. That's correct. Out of the same fountain That's cannot correct. come forth sweet and bitter. That's correct. And I also say this too for those that don't use the King James Version translation, which we understand to be the best English translation. We, we understand to be the best English translation. We, we now I'll, I'll add this: we don't understand it to be infallible. The version we understand the Word of God to be infallible. But we don't understand the King James Version to be infallible. And here's an example. That the translation beast is more correctly translated creatures. living creatures. Mm-hmm. And if you look at other translations, you'll actually find that. If you look That's in right. the Amplified and the New English Version, the NIV even has living creatures. And so the sense is very clearly living creatures. I want to, I want to help you to understand that these living creatures are uh, 2 Corinthians. You don't have to turn there. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. If any man be a new in Christ, he is a, a new, new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Okay? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. We don't have to turn to that. 2 Peter 1 and 4 simply says that we're partakers of the divine nature. 
And so this, these living creatures are ones that have partaken of the divine nature. Brother, I so much want to turn to Ephesians 2 and 10, but I won't because I know what it says. Ephesians 2 and 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created, we're creatures, in Christ Jesus unto good works. So these four creatures, these four living creatures, are simply saying those saints of God, the Christians, those that have been made partakers of the divine nature, made new creatures in Christ Jesus, are before God as his people in his kingdom before his throne. And they're some of the ones that are absolutely uttering the praises of God. Is all that making sense? It's very clear. How are we doing? We're going over, but the people are still bearing with us. If you're still listening, now if you turned off the if you turned off the podcast, you're not bearing with. Us. <laughs> you're not even <laughs> but, hearing what we're right. saying. <laughs> but if but if you are, but if you're still with us, then we're we're uh, we're doing well. So this is very important. Now there are four of them, brother Binion, and I think. I think we're good after this. Yes, I think we're good after this. Because once you understand these things, you understand it all. So there are four of them, four living creatures. And in Genesis chapter 28, verse 14, and Numbers 35 and 35, I'm sorry, 35 and 5, it's just talking about the blessing of Abraham coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west. The people will be blessed. And so there are four cardinal directions. There is north, there's south, there's east, there's west. And so the reason why there are four is because each one of these four living creatures represent the people of God totally from every direction in the world. North, south, east, west. Everyone that's been made in Christ a living creature, old things passed away and all things become new from the north, south, east, and west, the four quarters, are represented in those four living creatures or those four beasts. And that's why there are four of them. It's a picture of all the saved from every location on the globe of all time. They're at the throne. Should I and say that's beautiful. Else? No, that's beautiful because we spent a lot of time on the 12 thrones, the 24, yes. excuse me, the, the 24 elders that sit on thrones. Yes. And it would appear that there was an exclusive right to the throne by those who had the position of power. Yes. But the scripture is very clearly showing that the throne includes not only his divine government that's correct but all saints all saints. at the throne of course those that are those that are hearing the apostles we're turning to the apostle scriptures today that's so right. so of course we would be at the throne if they're there of course so i'll quickly read revelation 5 yes read verse 8 and 9 yes, as read. a proof text and when they had taken the book mm-hmm. the four beasts or creatures talking about the same ones and four and twenty elders Elders fell down before the Lamb. Stop. Go to verse Mm 9. And they, talking about the same elders and beasts, sung Mm -hmm. a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain. Listen to what they say. And hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of Every kindred, every kindred, every tongue, every tongue, every people, every people, every nation, every nation, Talking north, south, east, universal. West. Yes, the beasts are simply the redeemed of all ages. That's right. So they are the living creatures. There are those that have friend. Been made are you Christ. redeemed? Oh, brother, are you a living creature? Then you're a part of this body. Oh, brother, you're a part of this throne. That's beautiful. I do want to say this in in our closing. Uh, just going to verse seven, it talks about faces, and I know that there are some in the overview that want the faces to be elaborated on, okay. let me only say this, that these faces of the beast in verse 7, and the first beast was like a lion, the second beast like a calf, the third beast had a face of a man, the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. 
these four faces are not, it's not saying that one beast was like a lion and the second beast was not like a lion. They were like a calf. It's not, it's not, it's not doing that. You shouldn't think of it like that. The third beast was not like either one. Okay. What it's giving is it's saying that these characteristics, it does say the first beast was like a lion, the second like a calf. I understand that. But these characteristics are the total characteristics of all Christians. So in other words, the, there's not a Christian that's bold as a lion, but one of them is only like a calf and never any bit like a lion is what right. I'm saying. That's right. So when it says the first was like a lion, the second was like a calf, the third had the face of a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle. It's giving the totality of all the characteristics in all Christians. You got it. And, um, and so I trust we said that well. Maybe, maybe I said it so fast that I didn't say it well, but somebody can ask a question and catch me up on something if they want. All right. You've been listening. Thank you for joining us. This has been The Voice of Seven Thunders, a production of the Gospel Trumpet Publishing Company. Again, we would like to hear your questions if you have them. Perhaps we'll have enough. We can do a whole podcast just answering the questions that arise from your listening to this podcast. Please send those to editor at thegospeltrumpet.com. Again, editor at thegospeltrumpet.com. To find more of our content that is produced by the Church of God, you can find that at www.churchofgod.com. You've been listening to The Voice of Seven Thunders. We've been your host. I'm Brother Ernest Binion Jr. with Brother Stephen Hargrave. Thank you so much for listening. May the Lord bless you.